We're in Psalm 31 today, and uh, we're going to do the whole psalm, but don't worry. Uh, Some more parts than others. And uh, I want to start with a story about pain. All right? Pain. And this this is a story by a, a preacher by the name of Truett, George W. Truett. And when George W. Truett was 30 years old, he had been named pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas. And some of the men from the church uh, took him quail hunting. And uh, among them was the chief of police of Dallas, and his name was Jim Arnold. And near the end of the, the, the hunting trip, an awful, terrible accident happened. Truett accidentally shot Captain Arnold in the right leg. The following Sunday, Arnold died. And the city of Dallas was stunned, and, and, and Truett was devastated. He paced the floor day and night. Uh, he wasn't able to eat or sleep, and he, was, he just kept muttering, I will never preach again. I will never preach again. I could never stand in the pulpit. I could never stand in the pulpit again. And finally, the Holy Spirit brought to his mind a verse in Scripture. It's one that we'll cover today. And it's uh, Psalm 31, 15. My times are in your hand. And David wrote those words during a period of unbearable pain in his life, which we'll get to here in a few minutes. Anyway, they resonated with uh, Pastor uh, Truett, and that night he had a dream. Well, after he went to bed, and he dreamed of Jesus. And Jesus was standing by his bed, and Jesus said to him, don't be afraid, you're my man from now on. And then, uh, later that night, the same dream came. Again, Jesus was standing by his bed and said, you are my man from now on. Then, a third time that night, Jesus was standing by the side of his bed, and he said, don't be afraid, you're my man from now on. And eventually, he was, it was announced that Truett was going to go back and he was going to uh, fill the pulpit for the Dallas First Baptist Church. And churches from all over Dallas encouraged their people to go and support him during his first sermon back. And one of the members said when Pastor Truett came into the pulpit, he, he looked terrible. His face was drawn, his eyes were sad, and he remained silent for a long time. You could have heard a pin drop. When he began, he sounded different, though. And one of the... Uh, members of the church said uh, that when he began to preach, he sounded different. Uh, and his voice is something I will never forget that morning. And Truett remained at First Baptist Church until his death. And during his tenure, membership increased from 700 to 7,000 with a total of 19,531 new members received and over 5,000 baptisms recorded. The moral of the story, surrender your trial and your pain to God and wait on him who holds our times in his hands. You know, I I was trying to think about how I would feel if I had, not murdered, that's the wrong word, but killed somebody that was a brother in Christ accidentally and the, the amount of pain and regret that I have just hovering over me and causing me to ache inside. Um, but... 
what we're told here in Psalm 31, especially verses 14 and 15, is this. When we trust that God is in control, we can get through about anything. When we trust that God's in control of our pain, we can get through about anything that we face. Okay? Very, very important. Because Truett understood that God was in control of his circumstances, he could move on in life. He could move forward and have a new perspective. Again, this illustrates, and Psalm 31 illustrates, that if we believe that God is ultimately in control of all things in our lives, we can get through anything that comes our way. And really, the psalm that we're going to look at today, Psalm 31, illustrates that point. It starts out with a lot of pain. And I'll explain why David, the writer of the psalm, is in such pain. And then you hit that, that incredible verse in verses 14 and 15, where it says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Then all of a sudden, all of this pain uh, switches to the last part of the psalm, where he's saying some things that a, a person in deep pain and regret ought not to be saying. If, you know, all things considered. And you know what? The, I'm going to start by saying what I was going to wait till later to say, but he was able to praise the Lord and to get out of his funk and out of his depression and out of his pain or through his pain even though, hang on, the circumstances never changed. And that's what just blew my mind about this psalm. It's not that he said um, in verse 14, but I trust in you, O Lord, I say you are my God. My times in, are in your hands. And all of a sudden, the sun came up and the curtain par curtains parted and the clouds went away. Nope, nothing changed. But he had a whole different perspective, a whole different attitude that enabled him to live in victory. It's just really incredible to look at this. So that's what we're going to look at today. Um, how David went from pain and anguish to a brand new perspective and an attitude and the ability to move forward, even though the painful circumstances hadn't changed at all. You know, we base so much of our, our emotions on whether our circumstances change. But is that always realistic? It really isn't. At least for me, most of the time, my circumstances don't change, and I'm faced with, what am I going to do now? And that's this beauty of this psalm. It tells us what to do. So we're going to move through a progression today. From pain to uh, uh, providence, God's sovereignty, and then to peace. Pain, providence, and then peace. So... The title of the message today is Handling Our Pain with the Providence of God. Now you say, why did you pick this to preach on? Well, if you've been here the last couple weeks, you know I started a series three weeks ago entitled uh, Go-To Verses for When the Going Gets Rough. Go-To Verses for When the Going Gets Rough. You don't need to raise your hands, but has the going gotten rough for you lately? Don't raise, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see... Uh, hands necessarily, but I would wager that, that many of us have. Um, go to verses when the going gets rough. That's the series title. And what I told the people here three, uh, three weeks ago, that these verses have, God has given me as I've read through the Bible and has just kind of, he just kind of lit them up for me 
And I have a list of these at home, 10, 15 verses or passages that God has given me in times of pain and trouble in the last seven, eight, nine years. And um, I, these are my go-to verses. When I get into it and when it's hit the fan, I go right here. And so I thought I'd share these with you because they're so personal to me. And I love sharing stuff that God has done in my life with you. And so again, uh, handling our pain with the providence of God. Okay, let's talk about the reality of pain. The reality of pain. Everybody experiences pain to some level, okay? Uh, Or painful circumstances. Even David, who was king. Kings experience pain. They fall off their bikes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Never mind. Um, But everybody experiences pain. Even King David experienced pain. He wasn't immune just because he was a king. Okay? And we have what I would call, not a love affair with pain, but we have a hate affair with pain. We just want to, we just want to, we don't want pain. We don't like pain. If you notice on TV, when you watch TV, if you watch TV, that most of the commercials deal with getting rid of some kind of pain. Right? We don't like it. Okay? And we'll do anything we can to avoid it. But since the fall of Adam and Eve, we've had pain. And by the way, don't harbor any illusions until you and I get to heaven. We're going to have pain. Revelation 21.4 says there'll be a change, though, and I, I want to read this to you for your encouragement. It says, um, when, we're, when we get to heaven, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, or crying, or... Is it up there? Okay, well, you should have known it anyway, okay? Uh, <laughs> he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The order that we have in heaven with God does not include pain. Amen, pass the potatoes. I can't wait. Now, uh, David, the writer of this psalm, was experiencing, as I said, really, really extraordinary amount of pain and difficulty. Um, He had opposition and, and, and the uh, commentators say it's either from Saul, who hated David, who was jealous, and he was trying to kill David, or from his own son, Absalom. His own son was causing him pain. And we know how family is, right? That's some of the hardest pain to experience, is pain from your own family. Okay? It, we don't know for sure, but it was, it was one of those two. Uh, and uh, from Saul, he was trying to kill him. Absalom, his son, publicly disgraced him. He tried to take over. He insulted his father. He falsely accused his father. He betrayed his father. He disappointed his father. And he attacked him, and David felt rejected and fearful and disgraced, full of despair and depression, helpless and defeated. That's, that's what you call pain. Now, there are three kinds of pain that we're talking about here. It's just God knew this. God's in control. Again, I'll be saying that a lot. But God knew uh, uh, ahead of time the, the, the areas of pain that he wanted to talk to us about um, in this psalm. And what I want to do is say two things. Number one, when I say pain, it can come in lots of different forms. The pain of perplexities and confusion. The pain of not knowing what to do. The pain of certain problems. The pain of being persecuted. 
okay? But in this uh, psalm, there's three uh, kinds of pain mentioned. And I'm gonna read through the first 13 verses here. See if you can guess what they are, okay? Verse one, in you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free from the, me from the trap that is set for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Sound familiar? Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors, and I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire me and plot to take my life. Let me share with you the three kinds of pain that David is in right now. We don't have time to just like take every uh, portion of these verses, but they, in general, there are three kinds of pain here. One, there's mental and emotional pain. I'm putting them together. They're a little different, but I'm just gonna g- put those together. Mental and emotional pain. He feels threatened. He, he's afraid of being shamed publicly. He feels the overwhelming need for safety and direction. He's feeling alone, lonely, abandoned. He's trapped. He feels helpless. He's without hope. He's full of emotional turmoil and distress. And I'm just taking a little bit of a guess, but I think he's depressed. Now, that's a mental and emotional pain. And you may be able to relate to some of those this morning. But there's also physical pain here, isn't there? In verses 9 and 10, he says, His eyes are weak with sorrow, body with grief. So his body's filled with grief. So stuff is affecting him physically. He's really, these are my words, but he's, I, it sounds like he feels like he's aging prematurely. And his strength is failing. He's exhausted. And he has weak bones. I don't know. I'm not sure what he means by weak bones. You know? But he has weak bones. And bones are a physical thing. So... This is physical pain. And then, I don't know if this is the worst one, but it could be relational pain. Mental, emotional pain, physical pain, and relational pain. In verses 11 through 13, he's talking about that those who have, are close to him have started to dislike him, even con- have contempt for him. And he feels mistreated and rejected and abandoned by people who were his friends and family and colleagues. And now he feels forgotten by his friends and emotionally broken and fractured. And he's the subject of slander and gossip and lies and false conspiracies by people who used to be his allies, family or otherwise. And he's terrorized by others. When people see him on the street, they run across the street and go the other way. I've never had that happen to me. I can just imagine how 
devastating that would be relationally. And people want to kill him. You know, that's a wide gamut of relational pain. Maybe you feel one of these this morning. Maybe you feel some mental or emotional pain or physical pain or relational pain. Well, that brings us to the second part of the, sur- uh, of, of the psalm here. And that is this. And it's really, really um, interesting to me. We can face our pain regardless of whether it's mental or emotional or physical or relational by doing what? By proclaiming God's providence over it. Now, I wrote down in my margin of my sermon, tell them that it takes mental and spiritual discipline and focus. And I know this personally. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't had to discover. If you're going to do this, you, and I've said this about other things, you really need to be mentally, spiritually disciplined. You and I must really focus to do this because the propensity in our nature, our flesh, is to just wig out because of our pain. Get depressed, maybe start blaming God for being a bad guy or whatever. But we can face our pain. God's given us a way to face this pain, and including perplexities and problems and persecutions, by proclaiming God's providence or his control or his sovereignty, however you want to identify it. Because look at verses uh, 14 and 15. This is the, the pivot point of the psalm. It says here, and I'd like you to keep this up there so they can keep reading it uh, after I'm done reading it, please. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Let's all say this together. Beginning, my times are in your hands. Okay, that was pretty lame. Um, <laughs> let's try it one more time. Uh, where am I? Let's do 14 and 15a. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Okay, you just had... Uh, how to have a new perspective 101. My times are in your hands. You see, what we want, if I'm being accurate here, and I think I am, at least for me, we want out of our circumstances right away. Whether it's mental or emotional, whether we're in depression or in discouragement, whether, whether we're having physical pain, whether we something has happened in terms of our relationships, family or friends or workmates, allies, schoolmates, whatever, uh, we, wanna, we would just want it over with. And I don't know if you've noticed anything about God, but sometimes he doesn't seem like he's in a hurry. Am I the only one, you know? And so what do we do? We proclaim his prop. Did lights just go down? Okay, I thought that God was like, oh, no, what did I do wrong? <laughs> it got dim. It's one of the ten plagues, you know, and darkness. Um, we could face our pain by proclaiming God's providence, his sovereignty. Okay? So what, what, what are we going to do? Well, when we face our threats, face our persecutions or our rejections or our physical problems, or our inner pain, 
or our relational pain or our disappointment or discouragement or tears or heartaches. I just wrote these down as they came to me. The best thing to do is to believe God is trustworthy, that he has our back. That's my, that's my uh, version. Okay, verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. He has our back. And then my part is this. My times are in your hands to proclaim that. Okay. Is there a junior higher back there? Hannah and I. Just kidding. You almost need comic relief in a sermon like this because it's so intense. And I honestly know that, that people are, we're all in pain of some degree. Okay. But we need to proclaim the sovereignty of God, that he's in control. And, stay with me, that he has a purpose and a plan and a reason for everything that comes into our life. Everything. Say, but what about everything? Say, but you don't know everything. But that was everything. What does he say in Psalm 139? In thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. In your book, the days were ordained for me. They were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when there is not one of them. Now you deal with that. I'm just giving you scripture. And can you, can, you, can you explain that anymore to me? Well, no, I can't. But he's in control, and he has his reasons and purposes and plans for allowing every one of our circumstances into our life. With God, there are no mistakes. Nothing is left to chance. Chance, listen, is a pagan idea. God's sovereignty is a biblical truth. Chance is a pagan idea, okay? God's sovereignty is a biblical truth. And it's not something to be afraid of. It's something to just absolutely revel in because it gives us stability when times get really painful, okay? Just again, Psalm 139. In your book, they were all written, the days that were ordained for me. When is that? When? There was not one of them. God had it all written out beforehand. He's sovereign. Don't let that threaten you or send you into a tailspin philosophically. Just enjoy it. I'll talk about that at the end of the message. Um, this, is, this is a high-impact truth for you this morning and, and for me, okay? And, and here's why it's a high-impact truth. If God is good, say amen if you believe God is good. Amen. Okay, if God is good, and say amen if you believe he's sovereign. Amen. If God is good and sovereign, then that means that everything that happens to us as his children in Christ has a purpose and a reason, even though we don't always understand the why of it. And I'll discuss why I think it might, he might allow these things in our lives and, and, and send us through some of these tunnels that we've had to go through. And some of you are going through right now. Let's not be naive, huh? 
I could start from my dear wife there and go all the way over to this side of the, the worship area and every one of us is in. That might be a small tunnel. It might be a really big, dark tunnel. But we're all dealing with pain. Okay? And so let's look at the details of verses 14 and 15, and then we'll go to the final um, section of the psalm. And you're going to discover something really good here. First of all, the first thing this verse 14 says, but I trust in you, O Lord. God really, 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 really values our trust. I mean, that's what so much of our lives are about is, is God wanting to increase and deepen our trust in him. That's why almost daily something will happen or, or quite often and, and it's just about trusting God to resolve it. And so the psalmist David says uh, in verse 14, but I trust in you, O Lord. And that gets the Lord's attention, so to speak. And then he says, I say, you are my God. So he goes one step past trust. He says, thank you, Lord, that you're going to work on my behalf. But in the meantime, we get to 15a here, and note what it says. My times are in your hands. Let me take that apart quickly, and we'll go to our final phase, because we've gone to pain. Now we're going to proclamation. This is not just a mental thing that we have inside our head. This is a proclamation of our lips. And do it out loud if you have to, wherever you are. Just get alone so nobody, you know, thinks you're weird or something. But, uh, but, but, but pro- proclaim this. My times are in your hands. Me, personally. I've preached sermons, many of them, about God's sovereignty over governments and economies and rulers and the uni- galaxy and the uni- universe. But what about you and me? My times are in your hands. My personal circumstances, my life is in your hands. All right? Think about it. Your life. Don't look next to anybody aside or back or front. Your life is in his hands. Every detail and circumstance of it. Okay? And he says, my life is, or my times, rather, excuse me, my times are in your hand. Times? Not just the positive times, but yes, even the unstable times. Even the times that seem uncontrollable or even injurious that you've been hurt. Or yes, all the ups, all the downs, all the health and all the sickness, all the wealth and all the poverty, all the times of uh, depression, and all the times of refreshment, all the storms and all the calms, they, that our times are in his hands. It are in his hands. For me, as I was looking through this, our means it's a certain promise. My times are in your hands. Okay? God's providence is a promise. It's not something that should bother us. It should be something that thrills us. We're not just... In random chance, we're not just, it's not just a random universe, it's, it's God is in control. And, and there are no accidents in my life, only incidents. And my times are in your hands, surrounded by the, the power and knowledge and mystery and love of God. 
and then my times are in your hands, a good, loving God's hands. And again, things aren't happening by chance. And as I said earlier in the message, chance is a pagan concept, not a biblical one. Just remember that. You say, what about all the bad things? Well, did you ever hear that song, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands? Yeah. Would you like me to sing it this morning? (laughs) It's always a smart aleck in the crowd. (laughs) I can't sing. I don't know who said that. But my times are in your hands, and I found this little, well, this portion of a prayer calendar that I go through and it says why and this by the way these prayers that I go through for missionaries and also people indigenous people in very 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 anti-christian countries and the writer says when bad things happen to believers it's hard to read stories about believers who have had terrible experiences we may wonder why God allows it and yet his word says he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He can work the worst into good. It's often the reaction of a believer to life's tragedies that best demonstrates Jesus in their lives. I thought that was a good little nugget that was, was helpful. My times are in your hands. Thank you. Well, you're listening. Hands. The hands of God. How many times in the Bible are the hands of God mentioned? You know, would you like me to impress you right now? These are anthropomorphisms. Oh, I was expecting an ooh or an ah at that point, but uh, they're, 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 they're a physical way of describing God's control and passionate care and love for his children. It, it means he's not asleep when you're in trouble, he's not on vacation. When things look difficult, the circumstances are in his hands. Now, let's go to the last part here. Because now we've had the pain, all right? Now we have the proclamation, and it takes discipline and self control and focus to um, take our seemingly out of control and put them into his sovereign control. Okay, but his times, our times rather, are his, in his hands. And then now let's look at the last part, which is really, to me, the fun part of the sermon, if, you want to, if we can say that. And that is this, that the new perspective God's providence gives us regarding our pain. It's the new perspective that God gives us, his providence, I should say, his sovereignty and his control, gives us regarding our pain. And our perplexities, problems, and persecutions. It's the new perspective. And here's, here's the, the punch in the gut point for the message. Regardless of whether or not our circumstances change. Because they, always, they don't always change, do they? It's, it's, it's not like we proclaim the sovereignty of God like an incantation or a spell or some kind of thing like that. We proclaim God's providence over our circumstances because it's the right thing to do, but because God wants to show us 
how he can radically change us emotionally without having to change our circumstances. And brother and sister in Christ, that's what he wants to do in our lives. Some of you may be thinking, but it hurts, and I know it hurts. I hurt. I've hurt in all three of these areas. Some of them I'm hurting right now. So are you. And you know what? God doesn't change my circumstances the way I want him to. But I can tell you this. I'm learning to have a positive perspective in spite of my circumstances not changing because I'm learning to proclaim the sovereignty and control and providence of God over my life. And if this isn't practical to your life, then you need to go to another church. (laughs) Because this is, I'm so, you know what excites me? Is how you could take an attribute like God's sovereignty and take it right down to the level of where we walk. Amen? Don't ever think that doctrine and the attributes of God is something way up there in the clouds. It's right where we live. So let's explain this. God's sovereignty over the events of David's life gave him an entirely new perspective and thus a new attitude. I'm just reading. Knowing that God cares for us and is in control over our lives and that nothing comes into our lives that hasn't already first passed his reviewing stand and that he has a reason and a purpose of, for everything we experience enables us to go on, yes, listen, you heard it, to go on in peace and positivity. Not positive Norman Vincent Peale positivity, but real positivity. So, what I'm going to say for about 30 more times before I'm done is, not really, his circumstances hadn't changed. David's, you know, whether it was Saul or his own son Absalom, uh, we're still going after him or whatever. All his acquaintances were, had abandoned him. Friends, his, his, his prayer, his, his issue hadn't disappeared. In fact, if you don't believe me, look at verse 15. But I trust in you, 14. Oh, Lord, I say you are my God. My times in your, are in your hands. And guess what he says next? Deliver me from my enemies. Nothing changed circumstantially. Now, God can change our circumstances many, many times, and we praise him for that, but it doesn't always happen that way, does it? He goes right back to praying, Lord, help! Times are rough. I'm going through it. But he keeps praying so that we need to keep praying. Deliver me from my enemies. I might as well go through the rest of the, the, uh, finish the psalm here. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servants. Servant, save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. Doesn't sound like anything changed to me. And as I said, God can change things in radical and instantaneous ways. But what about when he doesn't? What do we do? We praise him for his sovereignty and that he's in control and has a reason and purpose and plan for our lives. Where where did I leave off? Uh, But let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness which we have stored up for those who fear you. Pain doesn't mean we stop praising God. 
which you bestow on the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling place, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Faith. Now, check out the last four verses. This is amazing. It really is. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for, for help. And here we go. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart. How could he do that? How could the writer of the Psalm, David, write in such positive ways about God's character and God's timing and God's plan? How could he do that? Because he knew that God was in control. He, he knew. And he praised God for it. God's control of his circumstances, good, bad, or otherwise. And it is not easy to praise him for that, but boy, the dividends really pay off. When you know that God's in control, you can handle just about anything. Are you with me? Well... It's true. See, he got a whole new perspective, a whole new attitude, not by changing his circumstances, but by proclaiming the sovereignty of the God of all circumstances. Wow. That's powerful. God is in control. God is in control. He has a purpose, a plan, a reason, a timing for our pain, problems, perplexities, and persecutions. He's got reasons. My times are in your hands, he says. That's what we need to say. Back over next door in the old building, uh, in my office, I had an old desk that I used, and um, I had a tactic or a strategy when things went out of control in my life or some issue in the church that just kind of was freaky and difficult, troubling. And um, inside the middle, I've, I've shared this before, but I'm, not all of you have heard this. In the middle drawer of my desk was a tiny piece of paper about half inch wide and about four, three inches long, and it said this. And I, I kept this in my drawer for years. And I opened my drawer, pull out the stuff, it says, if I know that God is in control, I can handle just about everything. And that just seemed to put things into perspective. God has a purpose and a plan for what I'm going through or what I will go through. And if I trust him, he'll bring good out of it, right? He will. He'll bring good out of it. God specializes in cleaning up our mess on aisle five, right? He really does. It's one of the most attractive things about God to me. He'll, he'll get us not only through, but he'll make something good about it, about the why of our problems. Now, let me give you a few reasons why, and then we'll wrap her up for today. Maybe God's trying to increase, for what you're going through, maybe God's trying to increase your, your level of empathy and sympathy for other people. I could tell you long stories about this. God has allowed me to have things that I never had earlier in my life, back when I knew everything, and uh, I remember I couldn't understand migraines. Get a life, I would think. Okay, so you got migraines. You know, take a couple bare aspirin and deal with it. And then guess what I got? 
Take a wild guess what God allowed me to get. Back problems. Oh, come on. Just go back to work. You can just get through the pain, deal with it. Guess what I got? Back problems. And I had a, several of these, and the Lord allowed me sovereignly in his wisdom to get those, some of those. I have others. And now I, don't, I am so much less critical of people. I am. I mean, I'm, that's not a bragging point. That's just, I'm, I'm less critical about a lot of things. God showed me that he wanted, he used my pain to increase my empathy and sympathy. So young, younger people, don't make fun of other people because you're going to get what they have, okay? <laughs> I was 30, 35 at that time. Now I'm 60 <coughs> and... Uh, I know better. Or, or maybe it's, it's, it's to increase your dependence on him. You kind of got an independent streak or a rebellious streak. I'm thankful that I don't. And um, <laughs> I do. Oh. And God has had to break me of that. So I'm more dependent on him. And I'm glad he has. He's used pain to do that, all kinds. How about he just wants you to focus more on heaven than earth? When you get broken by God through pain of any kind, you're thinking more about there than you are here. And that's good. Okay, so just because we, we pray or say, my times are in your hands, it might be God wants to stretch us a little bit more. Okay? And he might answer our prayer. But in the meantime, we proclaim that he is in control and sovereign, and we're glad for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. And again, I said it earlier, we think we can't be happy if things don't change right away. But in hindsight, in the rearview mirror, almost always, if we're growing in the Lord, we're thankful for what happened. Now, sometimes it takes a while, right? But we are. I am. I'm thankful for every cruel word spoken to me. I'm thankful for um, the pain I have. I don't like it, but I'm thankful for it keeps me where I belong, if you know what I mean. I'm thankful, but it takes a long, sometimes, ways to get there. But I still proclaim his sovereignty and control over everything, and it helps me in my attitude to get through emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I just, just marvel at those last three verses that he can have that kind of praise to God when he's in that much pain. It's amazing. So practical. He knew that his times were in God's hands and that God cared. And that's why we can act that way to God when we're hurting. He's in control. And he's concerned. And he's aware. And he has his reasons. And he'll, he'll get you through them by this truth. So my final word to you this morning is this. And I'm speaking to myself too. But don't play lip service to God's providence and sovereignty and control in your life. Don't, 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 don't pay lip service. Oh, yeah, God's in control, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. Love it. Live by it. Meditate on it. Cling to it. Let it soak your, your mind and heart. And this is what will happen. It keeps, when we do that, it keeps us from being impatient with the Lord's timetable in delivering us. It keeps us from getting impatient because we have one whose timing is perfect. 
it also keeps us from being overwhelmed with the badness of our circumstances. When we know God's in control, we can handle just about everything. When we don't, we can't. Okay? Satan doesn't want us to meditate on God's loving, sovereign hand. And not only that, when we meditate on God's control, it keeps us from being weighed down with pressure and fear and anxiety when we understand that these troubles, these struggles, these frustrations are given to us by a God who loves us for his own reasons and his own plans that he may or may not reveal to us. But we can say, no matter who or what comes against us, we can live out each day and every day with a positive attitude, no matter what we're dealing with, because we are in his ever-caring, ever-present, all-powerful, all-sovereign hands. Proverbs 33, excuse me, Proverbs 16.33 says this, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. We think it's all random, like rocks. They used to gamble with them rocks, and they're strewn all around. Well, it's not random. It's not random. Every decision is from the Lord. Take comfort, Christian. God, not chance, is in control of our circumstances. Charles Spurgeon said, quote, let the truth that he loves us and is still in command of all things in our lives, let that truth soothe your tired soul. <laughs> and you know what you want to do when you know that God's in control? You want to obey him and you want to love him because he's so, so wonderful. I don't, I'll close with this, Psalm 31.5. Did you notice the, there was a prophecy there? A messianic prophecy? It's the words of Jesus when he was on the cross, didn't he? Do you know that Jesus said the same thing on the cross that this psalm is telling us to do? What did Jesus say? Into your hands I commit my spirit. It's, it's just as well might have said Jesus was saying to the Father, my times are in your hands. I give you everything. I give you myself. I atone for the sins of the world. I've gone through horrendous, hideous, awful, unspeakable pain, but everything's in your hands. And he's saying the same thing to you this morning. Is there something that you have to praise him for, for his sovereignty and control for, that you're going through right now, one of those areas of pain? I want to tell you, if you do, if you praise God that he's in control, that he's providential and sovereign and has a reason and a plan for what you're going through, and you really surrender it to the Holy Spirit with trust and trust in his uh, um, want, uh, his desire to work on your behalf and that he's in control, you will gain the joy that David had even though the circumstances hadn't changed. Now, eventually they did, but they hadn't changed as of yet, and that's the miracle of this psalm. And I hope that's the miracle for you spiritually this week and for me as we glory in his sovereign grace and providential care and that he's in control of all things. And Father, thank you so much that we don't walk into this worship center, this worship area, and come into your word and just get cliches and platitudes, little sayings that never really seem to work. Oh, they're cute, and they catch our attention. They're just little 
glimmering little, flickering little, shiny little pieces of advice, but when the pain is deep, they don't help. But we have you, Father. You're control, in control of every detail, past, present, and future. And we ought to commit ourselves to you more and more because that's true. And Father, we're not talking about fatalism or determinism or that we lack uh, the ability um, to trust you. Help us to do that in glory, in your loving control. And Father God, if there is a person here this morning that has never turned their life over to the lordship, rulership, leadership of Jesus as their savior from sin and death, eternal death. I pray, Lord God, that you would open their hearts to the one who wants to take their out of control, Lord, and give them his control and comfort them, Lord. We pray that they would come through the cross to your loving hands, Lord, and make Jesus Lord of their life by your grace. And all God's people said, amen. You are dismissed. Have a great day.